0: Jazz Heads Radio, brought to you in conjunction with Wakefield Jazz, a lovely little jazz club in New Yorkshire. Hello. This is episode 40 of Jazz Heads. This time we're featuring drummer Robert Costelli. He's originally from New York City and he now lives in Barcelona, and that's where I got to catch up with him. Sadly, only over Zoom though. Uh, I haven't factored foreign travel into the Wakefield Jazz budget just yet. He'll be visiting the UK next month, and you can see Robert with his band La Cambra, at the 606 Club in London on the 1st of June and Boom we will be playing at Toulouse La Trek in London on the 17th of June and hopefully we'll get to see him at Wakefield Jazz in the not too distant future you can visit robertcastelli.com for more info, music and other bits and pieces and a full track listing of today's podcast will be available in the description visit wakefieldjazz.org for gig listings, reviews, podcasts and lots of info about our great little club thanks for listening joined by Robert Costelli which is a podcast we've been trying to sort out for probably the best part of three months something like that
1: I don't know I I stopped counting with this COVID thing (laughs)
0: like two weeks two years you know it all (laughs) blurs into one doesn't it absolutely yeah anyway we've made it we're here exactly we are trying to put this together because you've got a tour, which we'll talk about. Um, I think you've got a few dates across the UK and a few dates in Europe as well. We've got albums to talk about, we've got drumming to talk about, names to talk about, and who who knows what else. Let's see where the see where the mood takes us. Anyway, well, so thanks, Robert. No, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, thanks for for asking me. And by the way, I love. Yeah, I don't know how what exactly the association is with Wakefield Jazz, but um played there a few times and I remember before I got the gig there reading in one of the jazz publications in 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 the UK there that it was the best audience to play to one of the most appreciative audience And I have to say I played there two or three times and like the second and third time people came back and it's just no so anyway yeah Hooray
0: Wakefield, yeah. It's a nice little club and yeah, so- I know exactly what you mean about the audience, that they're, they're always yeah. there, they are always in, they always enjoy it, it doesn't matter what the music is. Pete uh, Ross, our promoter, does a fabulous job of putting on a really diverse uh, mix of music. So it's something for all tastes. Um, um, but there's always a crowd and they always love it and they're always supportive and nice and friendly. And yeah, it's a great atmosphere. Um people seem to really enjoy playing there which is always a bonus and yeah so it's a good good night so if anybody's stuck for something to do in Wakefield on a Friday night uh, we're I, re- there I recommend
1: it highly folks highly
0: <laughs> thanks so much Robert um should we should we kick off with your tour then
1: well tell yeah, us okay.
0: tell us what the plan is behind this is this I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, something you planned yourself I'm, if you you
1: know I had done a recording during basically I did the recording like three days before lockdown in Spain. So we were going to go back in the studio and tweak a few things. I mean, it's jazz, so it's all live, but we were going to maybe add a couple of tunes. And um, then we were in very serious lockdown where you you couldn't leave the flat except to go to the supermarket between June and, uh, sorry, between March and June of 2020. So I didn't, I wasn't sure if I should release it and I released it at the end of 2020 and 2021 started to do some gigs and then things opened up a little bit, but not quite. And then in April, I had booked a few gigs for November of 2021, not knowing if things would be open and they were. I had eight things booked. I had four gigs and four workshops, and I ended up having two workshops canceled and one gig canceled because of COVID and people not going out. But one of the things was the, I didn't know it at the time, was part of the EFG London Jazz Festival. Mm -hmm. So that was the November 20th or so. So Mm -hmm. I've been trying to tour. The point of all that is I've been trying to tour the, the new release, but haven't been able to do it. And then... Since I live in Spain and recorded the music in Spain, I actually had uh, gigs in Vienna and, and Switzerland, but they had got canceled and I was going to go with my guys here that recorded the music. And we weren't able to do that so I have a, a, a bunch of guys and that I use when I go over there, that I'm fortunate enough that these really good musicians want to play my music and, and. Um, so I'll be back, I'm, I'm doing Oliver's on, the, Oliver's on the 23rd, next Saturday, this coming Saturday. And then I'll be in June at 6.06 on the 1st. Right. And Toulouse-Lautrec on the 15th. In, at, at uh, 6.06, it's like uh, a band we call Lo Cambra. It's Francesco Lo Castro, Bruno de Ambra, Robert Castelli. And we had done many trio gigs uh, in the last few years. They were the guys I played with in November and we were just going to make it a quartet with the bass player. So at 606 we're doing like a combined repertoire of all of our releases because we all released music in 2021 or late 2020. But at Toulouse-Lautrec and then in September I'm I'm at the Bear Club and I'm up north at uh, Northampton Art Center, Wolverton, and some other places. so things have been coming in gradually, you know, like I've had a right. lot of, as you probably know, a lot of people have had stuff canceled and then you have to rebook and then you have to add on, but the people are dying to go out. That's the thing,
0: you know? Yeah. Have you, um the one, the gigs that you've managed to do, I presume they've probably felt really good for, for you and the audience.
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm a drummer, but people respond to rhythm, you know? So when I play, it's it always seems like the rooms, you know, yeah. But also because people want to go out and want to have a good time, the was the the whole feeling of playing a gig is just a little bit better, you know?
0: What's the name of the trio because you've got you've got a Trio of Doom, haven't you and you've yeah. got well, my, it-
1: Yeah, I, I my first project was Trio of Doom and that's a that's a play on words to Jaco Pastorius, John McLaughlin and Tony Williams's Trio of Doom. Mm. In 1979, at at the Havana Jam, and they recorded, but they never released it because Jaco was at the point of losing his mind. He was grad, you know, and he was getting out of control. Then, no, the trio that I do with with um, that with Bruno and Bruno uh, De Ambra and Francesco Locastro is an organ trio, and um, the introduction to that was Francesco Locastro. I had he had, he had played. For me, because normally uh, I get Nick Meyer used to play with me and Nick w- couldn't do the gig. And um, I asked Francesco to do the gig. So when I came back another time, I needed a keyboard player and he recommended Bruno. And our first gig was a bassless organ trio. You know, the original organ trios, guitar, organ, drums. And he calls off this thing. <laughs> normally, we were, at an, we were actually was at an Italian restaurant and uh, in uh, Sicily, it was called Descalzo at the time. And um, I normally don't drink coffee in the afternoon, but um, Francesco had eaten there, he was having an espresso so I had a cappuccino, and I never drink coffee in the afternoon. And then Bruno said, let's play this tune, and he counted it off. Yeah. And it was just like 90 miles, and I said, are you sure you want to do it that fast? And He was like, One, two, bam, and then we were like, pow! <laughs> and I was like, but we had never played together before we had never even rehearsed and it just like fell into place but it basically like this the 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 tempo was so that they created a vortex that kind of sucked everything into it you know what I mean but at the end at the end of the at the end of the tune I said to Bruno and Francesco I said good thing I had that cappuccino before the <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs>
1: but that, but that was the point of that. All that is that was the introduction of playing with these three guys and and these two guys and and uh, ever since then it's just
0: kind of gone by itself. You talk about doing workshops and things on your tours. Um, it you, are you a passionate educator? Do you do a lot of education? I had
1: been teaching drums and guitar in New York privately since I was like twenty, but that was just. With private students, it's like you get them for two, three months, and some. It's very hard to keep a continuity. I've had one or two students in that whole time that I've had for more than, say, two years. I could count them on one hand, you know. But, but then I taught music and English at the Vienna, as part of the Vienna school system, for junior high and high school students. And then I always do. Um, the educational things when i'm touring so yes i like that because it one it keeps me humble because it's like when i'm ready to to to, uh, to give a lesson i pull out some material that's maybe 10 years old and i'm like i'm gonna do this today and then i'm like shit i used to be able to play that <laughs> you know what i mean i know it well and then and then you got to go back and then the student does something that also just makes you want to hone in on the practicing as well so Mm -hmm. sometimes there are these students where you're like it's like you're at the dentist and it's like when is this going to be over (laughs) and then there are these other students that just make you realize why you play music (laughs) you know (laughs) if if i may say a quick anecdote um, about teaching and about playing when i was doing the first one with elephant drums Years ago, six or seven years ago, or more, they called it a masterclass. And in the United States, we use the word workshop. Masterclass is specifically for university level or upper, you know, um, postgraduate type of university level masterclass. So this drum academy used the word masterclass, and like two months before the the, the date, they said, "Robert, we have a lot of interest, but we haven't sold a lot of tickets." They said because some of the students thought the word masterclass was intimidating they thought it would be above their level so when you asked me about teaching this is going to students and teachers alike i said well let me let me let me come back to you let me find something to motivate people to come and i found a a quote from confucius that said what's the difference between the master and the student and the difference is the master has failed more times than the student has tried so the first thing i tell my students are because a lot of them they want to come they come to me because they want to learn songs nobody comes and wants to learn rudiments and whatever you know what i mean they want to learn songs you know and i ask them are you willing to suck first are you willing to be terrible because if you can't get over not being good you're not going to get past not being good <laughs>
0: Who were your heroes then, Robert?
1: Well, the thing is, I kind of went backwards, you know, when I was growing up, everything was pop music. Um, my dad was a gigging musician, so I would carry his gear and I would go in here the first half of a jazz standard. And then when we had to pick him up at the end of the night, like the last half of a jazz standard, you know, but yeah. he worked in a record shop. He worked in a music publishing house, which became an instrument and a record store. So all of my brothers and I, we got all our instruments and our record collection from that. My father, we could just say, this new record came out, we want this. He would bring it home, you know? So in so, the beginning, it was all the rock people. And most of them were British, like Ringo and Ginger Baker and Carl Palmer and, and uh, Bill Bruford. But, but the American drummers like Danny Serafin from Chicago the band Chicago. Dave Gowibaldi, I discovered later, but from that same era. So my my heroes in the beginning were just, I guess, my father. My first big drum influence was Mitch Mitchell. Because he was a jazz drummer in that really killing rock thing where <laughs> Larry Coriel once described jimmy hendrix experienced as a trio he says you have to understand jimmy was this really like petite guy and he had this little tiny trio that sounded like an avalanche coming down off of mount rushmore (laughs) mitch mitchell really turned my head around as the saying goes and then i went backwards to jazz Mm -hmm. and i just
0: was there a particular track of mitch's that that got your attention at the start of, anything you remember in particular of mitch mitchell yeah
1: probably fire and that's what was called the go-go beat very exciting drumming they were like creating a whole new thing you know that's that's the thing like that i feel doesn't happen a lot there's a lot of good music but a lot of the stuff i listened to when i was a kid whether it was the progressive rock from England, like yes, or whatever king crimson or or the stuff in the states no one was doing that at the time they, it was all complete that was the thing it was different now everything is like a copy of something successful you know regardless of the genre you know so but anyway mitch mitchell was my my biggest influence growing up and got me into discovering the jazz drummer um uh.
0: Is there anybody you, in the world or in your circle, who you feel is like an underrated artist?
1: Well, now there's a guy who's in Paris, it's easily 20 years, if not more, his name is Karim Ziyad. And he plays Arabic rhythms. He played with Joe Zawinul for a short time, but when I, when I heard Karim Ziad with Joe Zawinul, I was a little bit disappointed, and this is no disrespect to Karim Ziyad. But Joe Zawinul always had these drummers with such presence where Kareem Ziyad's sense of rhythm is like on another planet. But the, but his his presence, he's not like, bam, you know, like these drummers from Philadelphia and New York, Mike Clark and and uh, uh, Rodney Holmes and these guys, they hit one thing and bam, you know, they're there. Like Kareem Ziyad, it's not like that. So if you're coming as a drummer expecting to hear this, sometimes you can kind of, Talk yourself out of a good thing because your 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 um, preconceived anticipation is blocking just what's happening at the moment, you know. But Karim Ziad if I would say there's a talk, there's a track called Jazz Ayer, J A Z Z A Y E R—and it's it's six, but the way he subdivides is in seven and five. So it's like one two three four five six seven one two three four five, But it's still like. And, you know, you can't follow that. And then it goes to and then it goes to a 9, 8, which is kind of like a Balkan 9, 8, which is. I used to count 9 as like one two three four one two three four five, And it's 1, 2, and then you can right, go one right. two three one two, one two one two one two three one and it's so quick but he doesn't play every beat the thing with the fusion thing is they play every beat and it kind of sounds busy if you leave that space the the latin music and the arabic music it's more syncopated there's an extra breath mm-hmm. where you don't feel rushed but if you're not right in the pocket you lose it you know
0: world plaza but where did that title come from
1: well um it's a play again a play on words um mm-hmm. in new york there's a one world wait where, where all the where all the municipal buildings is it's i think it's one world plaza if not it's no but anyway it was supposed to be like this thing with three worlds you know like first world second world third world mm-hmm. and party is like the internet and travel is making the world smaller and smaller. We can kill each other, or we can have a party. So party at One World Plaza was like, well, you're, you're in another country. Well, we're still neighbors. Let's have a celebration. Let's celebrate. So the idea of that party to celebrate life, One World Plaza means the place where everyone comes together anywhere in the world, you know. I would I would say Vamos is the opening track from Party at One More Plaza. So but my second favorite is Floating. But Floating is really dark. Vamos all the all of the music on Party at One More Plaza I had written some of it years before. I just had never released it because I I was married, I got divorced and if, and you know, if you know you get divorced, you know, it takes all your money and you can't really do a whole lot except be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? So so um some of the, so all of the music on Party at One More Plaza had been recorded before the year that I recorded Party at One More Plaza. But I had written Vamos really quickly and it came together and it's got this energy and it's getting really good response. So I would say my first favorite from the new release is Vamos and my second favorite is Floating.
0: Thank you so much, Robert. Um, hey ben, pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the tour. I hope it goes so well. Um, and we'll catch you again very soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a so lot, man. Cheers.